Hello everyone, I hope you are well and today is another news episode. In today's episode we're gonna discuss about the latest news in science mostly appeared like last month and we're gonna read the actually news and then I'm gonna have my take on it my understanding of the news or maybe how I see that discovery going forward or what really is that discovery about. I'm pretty sure some of you who are listening for some time or even if you are new you know how I do things around. So let's start with something which I always like to discuss the universe and the first news today which is really, really recently, how do we know the age of the universe? So how do we really know the age of the universe? Let's see what this article is about. So the universe is about 13.8 billion years old. But how do we know that? Okay, so what they say, scattered across the vacuum of space are star galaxies, stellar remnant and other objects that are billions of billions of years old. Okay. The age of the universe is now thought to be 13.8 billion years, but um, I think soon we're going to change that. How do we know that? We can determine the age of the universe by an extent by analyzing light and other types of radiation traveling from deep space, but scientists haven't always agreed to the universe age and they continue to refine us the answer as telescope level up. Okay. The metric, now known as the Hubble constant, describes the expansion of the universe at different locations. According to NASA, the Hubble constant is higher uh, for objects that are further away and vice versa, suggesting that the expansion of the universe is accelerating. That's up to debate now as well. So right now the universe is thought to be around 13.8 billion years old. This was determined by different group of scientists who announced their finding in 2020. Okay by re-evaluating uh, re data from the European Space Agency Planck spacecraft. <laughs> this is roughly 100 million years older than the previous estimate. Previous was 13.7 billion of years old, okay. Both the spacecraft and the telescope had uh, mapped the cosmic microwave background, which is leftover light from the Big Bang. But I think that's to debate as well. By combining this data, the existing model of how far different types of matter and celestial objects would have appeared after everything began, scientists were able to estimate how far back that explosion, uh, explosive part of the universe happened. Okay. Uh, scientists think light from uh, CMB, I mean that uh, radiation, you know, after the universe emerged, 400,000 years after the Big Bang. The universe started out as a scorching plasma in which pockets the lights of photons were attached to electrons and eventually cooled down enough for photons to break free of the electron, leave the plasma and scatter to space, forming what is known as the CMB. Uh, CMB is cosmic microwave background. So by measuring how far away such scatter light is, scientists get an estimate of how old the universe is. I don't know, I, I, I don't think this, this is actually the way, but let's see, for the newer estimate of 13.8 billion years old announced in 2020, uh, uh, okay, 
let the team up where re examine it cause me microwave background in the, in the ACT according to the study. Okay. Although these maps cover a small region than the ones released by the plant team, their improved resolution allow for more precise measurement. Okay. So what they are trying to say, they measure in more extent the cosmic uh, uh, microwave background, CMB, which they say appeared right after the, you know, the universe uh, uh, come to life, like for 400,000 years. And this is how we determine the age of the universe. But I think recently, even after so-called web telescope show us like a really deep space image and they said they find like a galaxy there and uh, I have some real doubts about uh, that being the age of the universe to me I, I, I honestly think the universe is not just appeared like through the Big Bang but you know this is just my opinion and I think uh, cosmic, you know, this cosmic radiation background is not just the only leftover from there. I think we are wrong in this. I think there are other uh, things out there who produce this kind of radiation. And I, I think we just, but of course, we don't have that powerful telescope to see deep enough. And I wonder why we don't build this and send it there, especially now with all these, um, all these bigger rockets who can carry a lot of payloads why would why we don't do that send a bigger telescope in space and see exactly what is happening out there so now they say the age of the universe is 13.8 billion years old not 13.7 as it used to be before so it's a it seems like a small change but still is a change but i think soon we're gonna realize actually the big bang was not there but let's move on this was the first news which i always like to discuss about the universe next news astronomers baffled by black hole burping out spaghettified star years after eating it astronomers don't have an explanation for a black hole burping out a shredded star but they suspect it could be more quantum than once thought interesting Astronomer has spotted a black hole mysteriously spewing up chunks of a devoured star several years after consuming it. So the event which scientists have classified as AT2018HYZ began in 2018 when astronomers saw the black hole and set a hapless uh, star on its strongest gravitational pull be before shredding it to pieces. Then three years later in 2021 a new Mexico radio telescope pick up a signal indicating unusual activity. The black hole had begun warping the star out at half the speed of light. This is very interesting. So black hole has previously been spotted gobbling uh, down stars before vomiting them out, but until now the ejection has never ever been taken place at the same time as they meal. The researchers use four air-based telescopes located okay, to spot the event. So black holes are messy eaters that are like to play with their food. The black hole consumption of a star is called a tidal, uh, tidal disruption event, TDE. 
because of the powerful tidal forces that, uh, that act upon the star from the black hole's gravity. Okay, but this star is unusual. Not only did it wait for three years after the snacking on the star to emit a flash, but the speed of the materials and flying out from his mouth is staggering. Most uh, outflows travel at 10% of the speed of light, but the ejected star matter is traveling at fastest 50% of the speed of light. Interesting. So they are not sure what is causing this. And now, because this is the most interesting parts of the uh, of the news. Keep in mind, I never read these news before. I just choose them by the title, and after that, now live, I read the what is really saying there, and then I'm gonna have my take on it. Well, obviously, if he's spilling out this kind of material, that means when I did my black hole theory, but of course, a lot changed since I did that episode. I think it's I'm coming close to a year. Maybe? No. Uh, when I did that episode, I said black holes could or help us travel faster. So that theory definitely fall down if it's, uh, it's, it's spilling material. But I also said then that black holes could have a really important, uh, a really important factor in the universe. What I said then was like black holes are eating material, so they are destroying these stars. And what they are doing, they are, they are like a recycle bin. They break everything down and then send everything away, like lights in different kind of uh, uh, form, light material and all this stuff. It's it's spewing out. So it's like it's this what they are seeing now. It's like coming into the pieces with my theory of black hole, I mean what I said the black hole could be, could be like a recycle. So it's eating, let's say, uh, tough material like iron, gold or everything, and it's breaking this material down in more basic elements. I mean, what do I mean breaking down? I mean, break the atoms back like it used to be, like in gas, like in light. It's 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 uh, expulsing material like at the 50% of the speed of light. So maybe that is right of mine, but we need more data for this. But it's very interesting to see these events, you know, like uh, um, spotted, and then you can maybe get into like this after you spot an event, you you think, oh, what I said about this could be true. So it's really interesting, this news. Let's move on. Next news. Ghostly neutrino particles are blasting out of the nearby galaxy and scientists aren't sure why. Neutrino? Ooh. The spiral galaxy NGC 1068, also known as the, uh, the Squid Galaxy. Squid. Okay, Squid Games. Is a bustling Disneyland of neutrino production. Okay. Let's see, a nearby spiral galaxy is pumping out ghostly neutrinos, mysterious particles that, that barely interact with the matter around them. Okay, the elusive particles are coming from a hotspot of neutrino production in the heart of the galaxy Messier 77, which is anchored by a black hole. The region is rich in dense gas and electromagnetic fields. To, okay, increase. Okay, uh, that's what makes the paper exciting instead. Okay, pollution. 
not just the, uh, to find another resource, but it begins to the point of uh, what may be the accelerate of cosmic rays and the source of the neutrinos. The source of the neutrinos could be black holes, could be. So neutrino hunt. Neutrino are subatomic particles with no charge and almost no mass. They interact with only two forces, gravity and the weak force. I don't know about gravity. Gravity is not a force in my opinion, but the weak force, okay. Which is responsible for this, uh, some type of radioactive decay. They travel at almost the speed of light and they are enormous, enormously abundant. About 100 billion pass through every square of centimeters of your, your body every second. Holy shit. Can you imagine? I'm full of neutrinos now. I should stop them and get myself a ghost. However, they are extremely hard to detect because they interact so weakly with matter. Very, very interesting. Neutrinos can be created just about anywhere in the universe from decaying elements within Earth to gargantuan supernova explosion on the other side of the cosmos. For decades, for decades, scientists have worked to understand the meaning of force they create these particles. So, to detect detect neutrinos, particularly the high-energy neutrinos producing cosmic rays from galaxy sources, researchers had to get extremely creative. Their solution is the ice cube neutrino observatory, an array of more than 5,000 cerezos from the one cubic kilometer of Antarctic ice. When a neutrino crashing through a proton or neutron in the nucleus of an atom creates new particle that gives off blue bursts of light known as Kerenkov radiation. Ice cube detects this, this Karen Cove radiation to discover neutrino. Interesting. So, Messer 77K, uh, uh, the squid galaxy, is about 47 million light years away from Earth and can be seen from our planet with a pair of binoculars. Ooh, I have to look there with a backward telescope. I got a really good telescope, so I need to search this. Earlier this year, another group of researchers researcher discovered a supermassive black hole of the center of Messier 77, but Think massive dust obscures the view. Of course, it's a lot of dust. The null discovery neutrinos could provide a window into the galaxy heart. Very interesting. And you know these neutrinos, these so-called ghostly particles, which are how how many they say? Where is it? Where is that number? One hundred million? Ah, one hundred billion pass through every square centimeters of our body every second. Imagine the amount of that thing. Of that neutrino so that means everywhere around us is full of neutrinos and they travel at almost the speed of light very interesting so my take on this is actually we have some kind of particle which is also invisible and also travel to uh, matter the matter as we know it so i think this need more investigation because if we found out how neutrino can do this, but keep in mind, neutrino has almost no mass. We have a lot of mass. Maybe we can find, because my goal, why do I say we need to study all this, all this? Because we need, the human race need to evolve, needs to find uh, new places to live, faster ways to travel. And I might have a solution to that, but I'm still working on it. And um, my idea is a little bit crazy, but that could also explain why uh, UFOs are the shape as we seen it. My idea is really into that. But until then, I think neutrinos might be the answer for some of 
our ways. But actually, I have another news which I only read the titles, and um, it's uh, also about the speed of light. Let's see. If, let's go straight to that because if I where is it? Where is that news? Oh, this. So energy jet traveling seven times the speed of light appears to break the law of physics. So keep in mind, I heard this sometimes, and this is very, very, very interesting. So a jet of particles released by two colliding stars appear to be moving seven times faster than the speed of light. But astronomers blame a cosmic illusion known as superluminal motion. Let's see what is this. Astronomers have detected a gargantuan blast of energy from space that appear to them the impossible, traveling seven times faster than the speed of light. This, uh, this is, of course, an optical illusion, a, a rare and mind-boggling phenomenon called superluminal motion, which occurs when particles come very close to moving at the speed of light. In this case, scientists detect the energy of blasting of out of a stellar collision site of a staggering 99.97% of the speed of light. Okay, let's see. So the jet in question is the result of a cosmic cataclysm that first made waves in the scientists from 2017. That here the between two neutron stars, ultra dense, that packs a sun's worth of mass into a ball no wider than a city, located roughly 100 a million light years away from Earth. So the collision was so powerful it created ripples in the fabric of space-time. Gravitational waves, so-called gravitational waves, actually are not, in my opinion, those are radiational waves. But we'll see. Uh, gravitational waves are invisible to the naked eye, but can be detected with instrument of okay. So the LIGO, the gravitational wave observatory, LIGO, the LIGO detected the first blast of wave from the colliding star in 2017. And of course, the astronomers pointed their telescope to that place. Before long, astronomers saw visible evidence of a high speed jet of particles. Okay, so beyond the beyond light speed illusion arises from the difference in speed between the particles in the jet and the light particle photons that they emit. Because the jet particles move nearly at the speed of light that they emit, it can appear that through the particles in the early part of the jet are arriving at Earth at nearly the same time as a photon in the large uh, later stages of the jet, making it appear as though the jet is actually moving faster in the speed of light. So, okay, so let's get this straight. Because the jet particles move nearly as fast as the speed of light that they that they emit, it can appear that through the particle in the early part of the jet are arriving at the Earth at nearly the same time as photons in the later stage of the jet, making it appear that through the jet it has moved. So what they say is, imagine, imagine like, uh, uh, let, let's say, let's say a door, yeah. So what they say. The jet is starting from the bottom of the door to the top of the door, but because the uh, this you are moving so fast at the speed of light, actually the light emitted from the top of the door with the uh, bottom of the door reach almost the same time the Earth, and this create an illusion that actually the moving from the bottom to the top it's faster than the light.
but actually is not that. It's a little bit complicated and uh, if, if, let's say, if, so they say from the bottom is, this is a little bit tricky. Let's read it again. Because the jet particles move nearly as, the f as fast as the light they emit, it can appear as true particles in the early part of the jet. So at the bottom, like we say, are arriving at Earth at nearly the same time as a photon in the later stage, at the top of the jet, making it appear as the jet is actually moving faster than the speed of light. Well, wait a moment. So if they're appearing at the same time, we see the same time the bottom, like the bottom door and the top door. That means the photons were emitted at the same time. Is not that true? That is true, isn't it? So why do they say it's an illusion? So astronomers have observed the illusion at planes of other cosmic objects before. Light speed just in the Virgo con so far only or instances of superluminal motion can be explained with math in a way that doesn't shatter the known load of physics. Uh, I think this okay can be explained through math. I think this is a little bit uh, it doesn't feel right. So we are seeing so we are seeing the top and the bottom of the jet. Yeah. We are seeing the light, but the light is supposed to travel at the same speed, yeah, no matter from top to bottom. And even if the light travels from the top to uh, the particle, yeah, from the bottom to top, they travel at close the light, close to the light speed. That means when they reach the top, it's still, it should be a, still a small delay, yeah, in the light coming from the top as coming from the bottom because keep in mind when the jets emits like as close to the neutron star the light already start traveling towards us by the time it's reaching that end what they are noticing we should see the light from the from the you know from where the jet is ending or where the jet is we can see now because i'm guessing it's still traveling we should see a little bit later so I, I don't know this seems a little bit tricky don't really understand how they can say is is an illusion but i'm guessing maybe they double check this and they're right but to me it seems a little bit sketchy uh in my opinion in my humble opinion i think the speed of light could be breached but with in in certain circumstances so to bridge the speed of light you need a protection and i'll get into that but another time maybe okay another news because that news was really like throwing me off and if it's throwing you off as well especially with my level of english which i'm trying to say here i'm sorry uh, i'm i'm i think you are same as me very confused so we leave that be because they say you know, is, is a an illusion but uh, i don't know we'll see we'll see about that as i said we need more more data for everything to pin it there and say for sure that's the truth uh 
another interesting news. Gigantic radiation storms have been pummeling Earth for at least 10,000 years and could strike again, three ring analysis reveals. One of the events was 80 times more powerful than the strongest solar flare ever recorded. Holy moly! So, a series of sudden and colossal spikes in radiation in level across Earth history could uh, have become from a series of unknown, unpredictable, potentially catastrophic events in a new study have revealed. Okay. The spikes occur roughly every one every 1,000 years or so and are recorded as sudden increase in the radio, radiocarbon levels of ancient tree rings. The exact, uh, exact cause of the sudden deluge of radiation, which periodically transform an extra chunk of the atmosphere nitrogen into carbon, suck up by trees, remain unknown. The leading theory among scientists in the Maiwoki event are solar flares that are 80 times more powerful than the strongest flare ever recorded. Whew. Okay, suggests that the origin of the radiation burst could be even more mysterious than first thought. Okay, this huge burst of rad cosmic radiation known as Maiwoki event have occurred approximately once every thousand years, but what caused them is unclear. Okay, Nastrovi, we need to know more because one of these happened to it. One of these happened today could destroy technology, including satellites, internet, cable, long distance power line, and transformers. Wow. Okay. So each year, a temperate temperate tree species develop a new concentric ring around their trunk that's add up indicating their age because trees suck up carbon from the atmosphere scientists can study the amount of radiation in the atmosphere during earth recent history by measuring three rings for quantities of the radio radioactive isotope carbon 14 okay so interesting scientists have spotted six myoki events in the three rings of our indicated passada okay another this occurred in the year uh, 7176 before Christ, 5410 before Christ, 5259 before Christ, 660 before Christ. Oh, what? After AD, AD, after what is this AD? This is after Christ, 774, and AD 993, a longer number of other smaller events spotted at, at other times. To investigate it, uh, the sudden carbon-14 spikes were caused by incredibly powerful solar flares. The researchers created a simplified model on putting the three rings to demonstrate how carbon was produced by solar radiation and absorbed into Earth, atmosphere, ocean, land, and organs. Researchers expect to find that the three years of the Mayoki event correspond to moment of peak solar activity, but instead they discovered that the Mayaki event did not line up with peak solar activity and some of the events, unlike the brief flashes or recognized solar flare, lasted for one or two years. Rather than a single instantaneous explosion of flare, what we may be looking as kind of astro physical storm or outburst. Oh, 
So, the intensity of this unexplained cosmic barrage is hard to understand. The largest solar storm ever recorded is, is in 1859 Carrington event, which, after slamming into an some powerful stream of solar particles that fried telegraph system all over them, caused uh, aurora brighter than the light of the full moon, appears far south of the Caribbean. Ooh, okay. Let's see. What else? But these alternate theories have holes to supernovas, sometimes produce radiocarbon spikes in Earth, but sometimes they don't. And stars like ours are not known to produce solar flare energetic enough to cause the Mayoki event. Evidence for a solar super, super flare is also missing in recovered ice core nitrate recording the events in 1774 and 1993. Only two tantalized, one made in the Axo-Saxon Chronicle, a 9th century collection of okay, refers to a possible aurora in a form of a red crucifix after sunset being spotted in the sky at AD after Christ 7074, but the researchers think they may have been also an optical illusion known as the mooring. The Chinese current described was being an aurora. So they don't know what this. Okay, okay. So gigantic radiation. What could cause this? Well, <clears throat> this is very, very interesting. So now we don't have to worry just the sun could send these crazy solar storms towards us. Now we have something else that could send this kind of... Uh, radiation and my I, i'm very interested in what could cause this and keep in mind last one was when they say 19 1993 so a thousand where 2022 is like a thousand years away so last so it's one of them it's maybe doing or maybe close to doing or maybe close but it's a big gap between 5259 BC and 660 after Christ. Oh no, before Christ. It's a big difference there. So maybe we are in this big difference. So what could cause this so called spike in radiation? Well, I think we need to consider a lot of things. First of all, we need to consider our sun. Uh, I don't know if our sun can shift poles. And I'm talking about uh, magnetic poles, but I don't think it's that. But um, other events, maybe, and this is just a guess, keep in mind, I this news is very, very new to me and I didn't really have time to think. But maybe, you know, so-called um, interstellar space where Voyager 1 just crossed and we know is a barrier from our sun, you know, the the magnetic field and all the radiation is keeping away the interstellar radiation. Well, maybe there, from time to time, it's a breach. And this radiation is actually what is out there. And we can detect this because we are in uh, our solar uh, uh, solar globe, you know, solar globe of radiation. And we can detect what is actually out there in the interstellar space. And maybe there's a lot of uh, harmful radiation out there. And from time to time, this radiation swap across, break free of the sun, you know, maybe the earth, no, no, the sun magnetic field either change pole or either uh, gets weak or when a solar storm erupts, maybe in that side, you know, the 
fields just get weak and all this radiation break breaking free and then swap across the solar system so that could be a thing but i don't know this is very interesting so now we don't have to worry about solar flares like i said in all my episodes we need to make sure we protect ourselves from solar flares now we have another thing which could hit us as well and wipe the world as we know it at least the electricity as we know it it's not now that we don't have enough electricity to run to pass through this winter now we have to worry about other stuff it's crazy how many things are out there which can cause us so many problems it's just crazy okay let's move on a little bit from that uh, part and let's read another news what's the oldest star in the universe oldest star what is the youngest let's see among the countless stars glittering in the vastness of space some are so old uh, that have experienced the of the universe other are so young that not even the most powerful telescope on earth have been able to observe them so what how can we know the youngest star in our universe this difficult to pinpoint because stars are constantly being born but there are few candidates among the one who knows okay in contrast scientists have known about the oldest star in on record or properly nicknamed met 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 Methuselah, blame me, these names. Stars are born deep inside the enormous cloud of uh, dust and gas known as nebulas. According to NASA, some clumps of gas in the nebulas are weighted down by the much material that their own gravity forces them to collapse. Okay, and this creates stars, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's not that. Okay. So, let's see which one. I, I want to read which one, which one is the the oldest because young stars are still accreting material they expel immense jet of gas or gaseous outflow from either end of the result this means they are still accreting mass because outflows fade as they grow older the amount of gas being released help astronomers estimate the star age most more gas means a younger star okay meanwhile estimated of the age of hd of met, that met met who Star met Huselach has sparked controversy. I know this star, this older star, and I think I discussed this in another episode. So early estimates from observation made made in 2000 put it at 16 billion years old. So that would make this star older than the universe. That would <laughs> exactly what they say in an article. That would have made it older than the universe, which is around 13.8 billion years old. Astronomers Im immediately suggested that there have been an error in how the age of this star was calculated. If not, then raise the possibility that the universe came into existence eons earlier than previously thought to. To get to the bottom of the matter, astronomers used the Space Hubble telescope to redetermine Methuselah age in 2013 and come up with an estimated 14.5 billion years old, which is still older than the universe, based on on its brightness uh, and its distance from Earth, which is 190 light years away. It's not far away from Earth, if you, if you count millions and billions of light years away from Earth. 190 light years uh, is not far away. That would um, make it only slightly older than the cosmos. 
We measure the distance in order to determine the absolute luminosity and thus the age with the help of the theoretical study of stellar evolution. Okay. We found an age that was compatible within the uncertainty of the measurement of the and the theory. Met Huselach is a subgiant star which is brighter than most stars but still not as bright as giant star, which are so huge that their size seems abnormal for their temper temperature and mass. Holy shit, I start to read a little bit uh, hard. Uh, okay, subgiant are also red redder than giants. Stars release energy by burning hydrogen in their cores and converting it to helium through nuclear fusion. Massive stars reach and the subgiant phase when they begin to deplete their hydrogen re uh, reserves. In this phase of a star life, its brightness or luminosity become an excellent way to estimate its age. Fainter subgiant stars are older. So, met Huselach, it's reddish and had been slowly dimming over billions of years. Draw is relatively close proximity to Earth, meaning it doesn't appear to dim to us and can be seen with the right binoculars. The sun has hardly lived in comparison. Our star is just under 5 billion years old and expelled to live about 5 billion Okay. Oh, and this is the end. Wait, so they say this star is 14.5 billion years old? So that would make it make it older than the than the universe. Uh, I uh, we discussed about this star uh, a while ago. In this in this article, they don't even say which is the youngest. But the youngest, of course, it's, it could be like a second ago because stars are burning quite fast. Uh, so the youngest we don't know yet because there are still a lot bur um, stars born like every minute. I'm guessing, especially in the these nebulas. But but this older one. Uh, it puzzled me as well because if they say it's that old, and keep in mind, I read an article where they say, oh, we need to cut it down, and we have an estimate of roughly 300 billion years old, and it's just after the universe, it, or it's the same age of the universe. So, how this star, which is 190 light years away from Earth, is so old and still there? I, I think. Um, we might have a problem of understanding the universe. We we still try to think that the universe was born only 13.8 billion years ago. That we re, we just throw under the mat the reality. So if we know this star is so old, why is this star so old? Maybe this star, which is so close to Earth, is telling us that actually the universe is older or the universe was not born when they think was actually born so i'm still sure this star which this crazy name it's we're gonna still see this discussion maybe in a couple more years they're gonna do more research and they're gonna come up with another ideas but i think it's more there than we really want to then the scientists want to, you know, to acknowledge. I think it's more there. We, we need more data. Okay, gamma ray burst may represent the most powerful cosmic explosion ever recorded. Ooh, astronomers stand 
stunned by brightest of all time gamma ray bursts, Recon, it could be most powerful space explosion since the Big Bang. Okay, maybe the Big Bang was never there. Okay, astronomers have spotted a bright blast of high energy light that may be the most powerful cosmic explosion ever detected. The high energy mission known as gamma ray burst. GRB, the most powerful type of explosion seen in our, since in our universe since the Big Bang, likely represent the moment of a dying star collapse into a black hole. Eh, okay, triggering a tremendous supernova explosion, astronomers said. The in incredible blast, officially dubbed, uh, dubbed GRB 221009A, was first spotted by Gamma X-ray and X-ray telescope, including NASA Fermi Gamma uh, X-ray telescope and the Neil Jehrel Swift Observatory on October 9. The initial detection uh, sent teams of astronomers around the world scrambling to observe the aftermath of the cosmic explosion, resulting in several additional detections over the following days. Astronomers have since given the burst uh, nickname the boat. Okay the brightest of all time so this uh, explosion is thought to be brighter than the other highly energetic CRB by a factor of at least 10 Gillian okay very bright I mean photons have been detected from this GRB event that have been more that that has more energy than the large large hadron collider produced to CERN. Okay. She added that while the LHE can generate energy as high as 13 tera electrovolts or 13 trillion electron volts, GRB produces photons with an energy of 18 tera electrovolts. Ooh, and possibly even higher. Okay. Going out, located 2.4 billion light years away from Earth. That's really far. In the direction of the constellation Sagittarius, is thought to be the result of a massive star reaching uh, reaching the end of life and going supernova. GRB like this are usually associated with star collapse and process that occur when a massive star runs out of fuel for nuclear fusion and no longer support itself against gravitational collapse. Okay, so they detected the biggest gamma radiation of all time. And now I want to say something which we discussed in the beginning. What if, and this is just a take on me and then don't call me crazy. What if this gamma ray, you know, this burst, these stars, you know, like every star when is dying, this gamma ray burst create the so-called cosmic radiation background. Hmm? You think I could be wrong? Because I was thinking, you know, the so-called Big Bang just uh, create this cosmic radiation background. What if, yeah, what if, what if this star's explosion or their, this, their collapse into a black hole, this powerful energetic explosion, yeah, what if this create the cosmic radiation background? And what we detect is actually that from the, this explosion. But hey, I might be wrong. So let's move on. This is just a, uh, a thought of mine, you know.
so let's move on to another news and let's read some news regarding our solar system massive martian meteor impact was largest ever recorded in solar system and i can see a photo with a big hole a magnitude <laughs> this is very funny a magnitude 4 mars quake mars quake that uh, rocket the red planet in 20 in 2021 is the result of a massive meteor impact two new study revealed okay in december 24 2021 magnitude 4 mars quake <laughs> this is so funny mars quake uh, i'm guessing earthquake and mars quake okay okay rocket the red planet triggering sensor of nasa inside lander now scientists have, uh, know exactly what shook things up uh, before and after images captured by NASA Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter confirmed that it was a meteorite impact, the largest on record in the entire solar system. Wow, that meteor could have been big. The impact creature, which measured 100 meters, 492 feet for all of you out there, across uh, and 70 feet, 21 meters deep. Uh, is located near the Martian equator and now offers scientists a rare peak of the subsurface of Mars. Interesting. While larger craters exist on the red planet, they were formed long before NASA started scouring Mars 16 years ago, so there are no images of seismic data to explain their origin. This quake and crater represent the largest meteoroid impact ever recorded. This this is very interesting. So when uh, Mars Mars took one for us, so Mars took a meteorite, had a Mars quake of four, yeah, magnitude four, and took one for the team. So I'm glad Mars is out there protecting our assets. Of course, uh, now I'm stretching a little bit because that meteor meteor could not be let's say on collision to earth but still it's nice to see that our planet is uh, it's taking you know the punishment for us but this also raises the question of uh, if we really want to live on mars how to protect from this kind of stuff because keep in mind mars the atmosphere on mars is very thin and i'm pretty sure meteorite even the small ones can go can hit the its surface because it's nothing to burn o on earth at least we have a chance because meteorites which let's say they are big as like couple meter across or even bigger can burn in the atmosphere from the freakness uh, from the friction with the air but mars doesn't have this air so if we make a base there and even on the moon if we make a base how we protect from this kind of uh, impacts because of course you put the base in some place and um, you don't expect the meteorite to hit there but we need to have some kind of contingency plan so that's another another thing to take in consideration but it's nice to see we we record these kind of things and we have more data for future especially you know it's better to prevent than just happen and then you lose a lot of lives 
and uh, to start from there so it's better to see this and to prevent from happening you know in the future so it's really glad this happened you know we can see what is happening out there let's see another news bizarre 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 near-earth asteroid is spinning faster every year and scientists aren't sure why maybe i have an idea astronomers have discovered that a potentially ha hazardous near-earth uh, asteroid uh, 3200 phantom has an unusual accelerate accelerating spin that could eventually change its trajectory through the solar system hmm, i wonder why <clears throat> the space rock known as uh 3200 phantom is around 3.4 miles 5.4 kilometers wide that that's quite big actually and its orbit through the solar system take it uh, take it uh, takes it closer to the sun than any other name asteroid uh, reaching a minimum distance of around 13 million miles 20 million miles kilometers from the sun less than half the distance from mercury to the uh, to the sun during phantom orbit around the sun which lasts for around 524 days the space rock travel close enough to earth to be considered potentially hazardous but the closest phantom have ever come to our planet was in 2017 when it passed by around 6.4 billion miles uh 10.3 million kilometers from earth that's quite far or around 20 times further away than the moon yeah that's quite far the asteroid dusty trail is responsible for for the gemini meteor shower which peaks in early december every year and is visible across the globe oh okay so group revealed that the phantom has an accelerating spin the space rock takes around 3.6 hours for one full rotation accelerating spin ah but every year that spin gets around four milliseconds shorter researchers said this may not sound like much but over a thousand of million of years that could uh, that change could alter the asteroid or repeat the team added so what they are saying the the spin the spin like uh my take on spin that the spin governs the universe you know spin of the atom spin of the sun spin of the earth so the spin is accelerating and i think not just the spin i think we don't even realize the spin even of the sun or even the we know this the moon is getting closer so that means something changing the spin of the moon or spin of the planet but seems like the spin is very important in in our understanding of the universe i still don't see a lot of papers on this but hey maybe we still have time but anyway i'm not gonna read much further because the phantom seems like it's gonna take a couple of thousand of years to uh, to hit earth so we don't have to worry now uh, what i want to say it's um, i think the spin is accelerating when it's going near the sun because keep in mind the sun has a very strong magnetic field in my humble opinion and the radiation and i think this is what causing of course everything in our solar system to move 
but uh, keep in mind I'm looking now at uh, a video and this uh, meteorite yeah phantom it's rotating the same ways as the planet so it's not clock it's anti-clockwise around the sun and the sun is spinning anti-clockwise how we see it so that's very interesting so I'm it, my opinion is the uh, acceleration of this uh, asteroid it's spinning faster only because it's uh, getting close to the sun and when it's getting close to the sun because the sun is spinning yeah it's uh, magnetic field accelerate the spinning of the meteor as well bit by bit so that's my explanation but could be another one but this is my take on this let's move on now from another uh, let's say just strange news and I think you saw this as well if you watch you know just uh, crazy out there or all these theories and everything bizarre blue blobs hover in earth atmosphere in stunning astronaut photo but what are they and i think you 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 know what i'm talking about what are these strange blue lights across the globe an astronaut astronaut on board the ISIS recently captured a pellicular image on, uh, of earth with two unrelated blue blobs of light shining in the planet atmosphere uh, okay, the dazzling pair may look otherworldly, but in reality they are uh, they are the result of two unrelated natural phenomena that just happen to occur at the same time. The first blob of light, which is visible, shows a massive lightning strike somewhere in the Gulf of Thailand. Lightning strikes are, are typically hard to see from the uh, ISS as they usually covered by clouds. But this particular strike occurred next to a large circular gap in the top of the cloud which caused the lightning to illuminate the surrounding walls of the cloudy uh, caldera-like structure creating a stri uh, striking luminous ring. The second blue blob which came in, uh, uh, is the result of warp light from the moon. Ooh. The orientation of Earth's natural satellite in the relation to the ISIS, ISS means the light is reflecting back from the sun, passes straight through the planet atmosphere which transforms it into a bright blue blob uh, with a fuzzy halo. This effect is caused by some of the moonlight scattering of tiny particles in Earth atmosphere according to Earth Observatory. Also visible in the photo is a glowing web of artificial light coming from Thailand. The other prominent source of light pollution is the image emitted from Vietnam and Hainan Island. Okay, so what they are saying actually there are no alien out there. It's just the moon and actually just the the lightning and the lightning I don't know if it could produce this blue light but because we see different from Earth but keep in mind uh, Earth atmosphere it's much denser closer to closer to the surface and it's uh, it's much thinner out there so the light could be different so yes this could be the explanation you know that because there were, I, I know there were people thinking, oh, there are aliens departing from Earth or all this kind of stuff. But uh, I don't really think 
if they depart from Earth, I don't think they're gonna risk showing us, you know, how how they do it. And I think this with the uh, lightning is more believable. And the moon, I don't know if really the moon was there, but hey, if they say was that was that they have the data, I don't have the data. But then, uh, what I why I want to discuss about this also, when I heard this lightning, I want I wonder myself why don't we try to uh, produce the lightning in the in the laboratory because in my opinion lightning as we understanding is producing when uh, cold air hits uh, cold air hits a hot air front air, and this strikes you know the this explosion which i believe is just atoms but why don't we harness this power because keep in mind the lightning has a lot of energy and if we can harness the power of the lightning maybe we would not be in this uh, so-called energy crisis maybe that would be better than just try to create what is inside the sun to create lightning you know in the laboratory but not force lightning like put a lot of megajoules and everything and boof strike no 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 create lightning like the base like exactly how it's happening out there because it's happening above us yeah without any help and without any energy yeah it's happening out there and it's hitting the let's it's hitting even people at sometimes but mostly objects on the surface or it's just in the air and why we don't try to create this in a laboratory like just simply try hot air cold air wherever try use different gases to see if we can create this kind of energy because in my opinion this high power energy could be more useful maybe than the than the things we are trying to create out there which we call fusion reactors and everything because keep in mind lightning has a lot of energy in it, a lot of joules we could power a lot of things with if we can capture that energy. But hey, this was just a quick take on mine of the lightning, not uh, what could uh, really, not like what I really want to see out there because we need anyway. We know we need some kind of better energy out there because we can't hold on this. Uh, petrol crisis or all these gas crises anymore we need some renewable energy or to create like i said lightning create out of thin air yeah we, we need to create that kind of phenomena in the laboratory and then maybe we'll have a we'll have a better future now let's end up today episode with one of the best news i think i can say it out there as you know, uh, earlier this, not this month, earlier, like two months ago, NASA sent uh, a, a spacecraft to hit an asteroid. And surprise, surprise, NASA asteroid deflection mission is a smashing success. Shortened space rocks orbit by a stunning 32 minutes. So 32 minutes, half an hour, that's quite a lot. Keep in mind, uh, like, you know, the 
phantom asteroid it's accelerating with four milliseconds when it's going around the sun yeah it spins but by 32 minutes that's a lot in my opinion so this is very encouraging a spacecraft that machined is machined to a small asteroid to uh, okay like one half month ago uh, has redirected the space rock orbit around its larger planet by stunning 32 minutes, even better than NASA engineers has predicted. The results are great news for humanity's first test of its planetary defense system. Okay. So, Dimorphos, which is 7 million miles, 11 million kilometers from Earth, darts mass into Dimorphos at roughly uh, 14,500 miles per hour, 23,500 kilometers per second. The probe original goal was to change the orbit of Dimorphos around its larger partner. The 1,280 1, foot wide, 390 meters wide asteroid Dimos by at least 73 seconds. By, but the spacecraft actually changed the Morphos orbit by a whopping 32 minutes. Holy moly, that's a big difference. So keep in mind, they were trying to change the they were trying to change the orbit by 30, 33 seven, no, 73 my bad, 73 seconds. That's one minute and a half almost. But actually they changed it by 32 minutes. This means the 1,210 pounds, 550 kilo, kilograms uh, DART spacecraft, a squat cube-shaped probe that uh, consisted of sensors and antenna and ion thruster and 28-foot, 8.5-meter solar array, arrays push Dimorphos closer to Didymos and shorten the smaller asteroid orbital path. The smashing su success raised the odds that a method like this could one day be used to nudge a harmful asteroid of a collision course with Earth. Wow. A start came ever closer to the space. Right? Camera, camera fish showed the asteroid landscape bloom from a single pale gray pixel to a rough and craggy terrain skew with sharp, shadowy rocks. That, uh, Dart, the spacecraft, hit the Dimorphos uh, just 17 meters, 56 feet from its exact center, uh, an astronomical bullseye. Following the collision, powerful observatory have been watching the asteroids from Earth and the case of the James Webb Telescope and the Hubble Telescope from space. By looking, by looking for when the combined sunlight reflected from the asteroid pair deep, deep, in, deep, deeped, indicating that the Dimorphos had passed into a large, larger Didymos shadow. So scientists calculated that the Morphos orbital period was more than half an hour shorter than before the impact. So, what is to take from this news? 
because you know I'm not originally you know my English is not is not great but man I'm struggling with some of the names that are given it here but what is to take from this uh, from this mission uh, to the take is that we're actually we can change the orbit of a celestial object now we know we change the orbit of a smaller one but keep in mind if let's say an asteroid let's say one kilometer wide come towards us in my opinion if we send a rocket bigger than dart at least double to change it let's say in um, you know of course needs to be calculation at least we know we have a chance of surviving because keep in mind we have solar flares we have met meteorites we have gamma rays we have uh, whatever we have the interstellar radiation we have the nine planet we have people and all these could destroy us but at least now we know is a way to save ourselves save ourselves from one of these so we know if we use a spacecraft which is um, big enough you know and has uh, enough vel velocity enough speed could change the tra 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 trajectory so we know when uh, when Bruce Willis went to space and tried to destroy that asteroid, at least he did a good job. So we know now we can do this in real life. So it's nice to see what happens in movies sometimes becomes a reality. Of course, they change the trajectory different by putting a bomb in the middle of the asteroid. But still, we know it's possible. So this is a big step in the right direction. If we could solve today the energy crisis, and we can, and we can uh, solve the other problems we have with this or war and all these problems we have on our planet with hunger and uh, you know the global warming, I think we are on the right path at least with the science advancement. I mean to protect the people. But uh, un unless, until, not unless, until we finish with all these uh, stupid motives, uh, which, you know, these stupid wars and all this uh, hatred in, in humanity, we can't move forward. And I said this before and I'm saying it again. Until we finish with all this, what happens on our planet, you know, until we stop the the wrongs the you know like the hunger everything we need to stop all this but but this is not just one man doing this needs all of us we need all of us to try to uh, stop this and move to you know evolve the human race to the next step but i think this is going to be very hard to achieve in the current situation because the world is very divided at the moment but we'll see what happens next but i hope today episode was not too boring for you and you made your way all to the end with me and if you are i'm really glad you are here and thank you for listening 
and I hope you know in the future I'm gonna find more interesting news and better news or more news on your liking that you know you that's why you tune in here to listen and you forgive me for my English sometimes because I'm struggling with some names I'm trying out there but some names are really hard to to say for me but um, let's see what happens next you know until we we finish everything what's happening around us with this energy crisis which I think is the worst one of the worst now you know because everything today is based so much on electricity and we need electricity for almost everything today so until we we go we move you know we just rise above this crisis it's gonna be a little bit hard for humanity but you know i still have faith we we are on the right path to make some great discovery and you know i i promise you some episodes about um how actually the sun form and how we can travel faster than light like i said in this episode but uh, i don't know if my ideas are really to put out there i don't know maybe some people think i'm gonna go with you choo-choo but maybe if I have enough support and you listen to my episode, maybe I'll put it out there. How how should everything be done, you know, from now on. But we'll see. We'll see. Until then, I hope you have a great, you had a great weekend because now the weekend is almost over, at least for me. But unless I should wish you the best and just stay tuned until... Uh, I'll try to upload more episodes and keep you more entertained. Thank you very much for listening. Wish you the best. Bye-bye.